Legalism versus holiness. I did a, a series of videos lately on this topic. I think this is arguably one of the biggest issues because it creates a works-based salvation. It misunderstands the gospel. It puts us at odds with our neighbors and with our family members. Legalism has crept in all over. It's super frustrating. It's one of my triggers. That was what the last video was about regarding specifically uh, my video on Chance the Rapper. So I'm making this video as a part two to legalism versus holiness, the difference. Some more Bible verses for you. Before we do that, let's recap what legalism is in case you did not see part one of this video, which you should. Okay, legalism is uh, emphasizing a system of rules and regulations. Okay, it's a, it's, it's a system of rules and regulation that's crept into the church where things you can't and can do not on necessarily scripture or or I would say a healthy total view of scripture, but on personal preferences, personal convictions, highly disputable matters in scripture, right? And there are disputable things in scripture. Just read Romans chapter 14, for example. Uh, and this system is uh, forcing, uh, is for achieving salvation and spiritual growth. Some people don't go as far as saying that rules make you saved. They don't believe in a works-based salvation, but they definitely believe in works reflect your spiritual maturity. That becomes problematic when it's a secondary issue, like say, I don't know, politics, secular music, or secular media. And I'm going to give you some examples of that in a second, right? And essentially it's a system that's opposed to grace we are saved by grace through faith. This is very, very important. So those of you guys that struggle with legalism, here are some things, some fun studies you can do, okay? If you, and I'm not gonna go over them here for the sake of time, but if you struggle with, for example, thinking that anyone who consumes any secular music or media is in sin, here is a fun thing to do, right? And, and, and secular music is a matter of your conscience and where you are in your personal personal life. I do not listen to a ton of secular music. I do check out secular podcasts, right? So here's an example of a study you can do. Google how many times Paul, the apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of our New Testament letters, how many times Paul is quoting pagan and secular poets in scripture. Super fun study. What you'll discover is it happens enough for it to be a disputable matter, meaning that if you actually read some of our most popular phrases, in him we live and have our being, that is from Acts 17, for example. That is a pagan quote. If you if the quote that everybody references, everything is permissible for me, that is a pagan quote from 1 Corinthians, right? A lot of Paul is writing stuff and pulling stuff from Pagan culture and Greek authors and poets. What does that mean? That means that the Apostle Paul, the one who wrote the majority of our new scripture, he was bilingual, okay? So he was a Jew who probably spoke Aramaic as his primary language, and he also spoke Greek because he wrote a lot of the New Testament letters in Greek. And he was extremely educated and well-versed in secular culture and secular media and secular poets and secular authors, okay? So if you struggle with this, boom, there's a fun example for you to do. Really easy. I'm not going to go over all those verses, but there's a lot in the New Testament that we quote as scripture, not understanding that Paul is actually quoting secular sources. So for me, as a Christian who is in this world but not of it, that is a demonstrative passage and a demonstrative tactic to say, hey, maybe I should be tapped in 
with what's going on in society. Maybe I should be tapped in in what a Joe Rogan is saying on what a, what a, what a Dave Chappelle is saying. And maybe there's a way for me to infuse that into my content to make it more engaging and more relevant. Why? Because it's happening and happened all throughout scripture. Interesting. So that's another example. And some of you guys are already, you already got your panties in a bunch. People don't know that. And they don't take the time to read it. And a lot of times the, the scriptures, when there's quotes in it, we don't get it, right? You don't know if he's quoting the Old Testament or he's quoting something secular. So boom, there is a great way for you to, to dispel your own legalism with regards to secular media, secular music, secular whatever, right? And that's not an endorsement to say, hey, we need to be all about consuming secular media. It's just to say, hey, there are times and there's a place for you to be engaged and not to be one of those weirdos that's utterly removed from culture and you don't know anything that's going on because you've buried your hand in the sand and you think anything in culture is completely evil, okay? So do that study. That's on you to do, not on me to do. Here's another example. Those of you guys that struggle with politics and you say this, there's no way you could be a Christian and vote for this party. Have you went and looked at Christians who voted for said party? And have you went and understood why and where the history goes back to? Phil Vischer has an amazing video called Why Historically in America, Black People Have Voted Democrat and White People Have Voted Conservative. Go research it. Go do your research. Go figure it out. Go dig a little beneath the surface. Instead of just making blanket absolute statements, go educate yourself. Not so that you can necessarily hold that position, but so that you learn something new. Not as an endorsement, but as a way for you to critically think. And this is the deeper issue with legalism and how this impacts us on a, on a massive scale. We in America, by and large today, our education system has failed us. And this is what I mean by that. By and large, our education system repeatedly tells us what to think. It's consistently indoctrinating you. And so then you take that same approach and you, you, you take this binary mindset and you start incorporating it into how you're looking at everything through the lens of scripture. But education, healthy, true education, it's actually supposed to teach you how to think. So a lot of what we're dealing with is honestly a fundamental breakdown of just basic critical thinking and basic education. So that's what I want you, I want you to think. I want you to use your brain and to think and to understand different perspectives. It's healthy for you. It will make you a more loving neighbor. It'll create less drama, less tension with your family for you being that one guy at Thanksgiving dinner that's going on and on about this single disputable matter and then you blow the whole thing and you blow your witness because of something you watched on you. Don't be that person, okay? Don't ruin your witness over a disputable matter and being legalistic. It's not good. Let's get into some scripture. Matthew 5, 48. And I even caught some of this in the comment section. Uh, but you are to be perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. The legalist will often point back and say, see, see, Jesus said, we are to be perfect. You are to be sinless. You are to obey the law. Did Jesus not obey the law? No, of course. Jesus kept the law. Jesus fulfilled the entire law. We are supposed to be legalists. Jesus was a legalist. And they're missing the context of the passage. What comes before this specific verse? It's Jesus telling you all the wild stuff about loving your enemies, which no one does, right? No one does well. It talks about committing adultery in your heart, right? Uh, verse 27. You have heard that the command, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say to anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, 
If your if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it out. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand causes you to sin, even uh, your good hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. So these standards are are setting the the, the gospel uh, message is setting the law of God so high. That the majority of us, the overwhelming majority, 99.9% of us are adulterers and murderers in our heart, okay? So then this verse comes at the end of this entire chapter, and people isolate it and think that, well, but you are to be perfect, even if if your father is perfect. No one is perfect like God the Father. This is why we need grace. So, let's go to Romans. Let's go to Romans. Check this out. Romans 3.21. Romans 3.21, now, but now, God has shown us a way to be made right with him without, what, keeping the requirements of the law, as promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who they are. How are we made right? How are we made right? Are we made right by doing all the works or by faith? Okay, Ephesians 2 says that we are saved by grace through faith. This is not of our own doing. I'm going to pull that verse up. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Okay, you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. There is no us versus them. There's just us. There's just sinners, okay? But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So God, so God can point to us in all the future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a what? It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. It's not a reward. So none of us can boast, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So now, so so we can do the good things he planted for us long ago. Okay, you are saved by grace through faith. You are not saved by anything you've done. If it was about what we have done, we'd all be guilty and we'd all be sinners. We are saved by grace through faith. This is important. What happened on the cross is called imputed righteousness, meaning that God took the the righteousness of Christ and he imputed it on, on us because of what Jesus did, okay? Because of what Jesus did. And then he takes our, the wrath that we should have got, and he imputed it on Christ. Okay. I'll prove it to you. Second Corinthians 5 21. 
Okay, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for sin so that we can be made right with uh, made right with God through Christ. Okay? So he made him sin who knew no sin so that we may be made right through Christ. That is what happened on the cross. If you don't understand this, you don't understand the gospel. Jesus gives us his righteousness. Okay? From his righteousness, we are now made righteous. He takes on the wrath of God on the Christ, on the, on the cross. That is what happens. It's a swap that happens. Okay? He lives the life we couldn't live. He dies the death that we should have died in our place. And, and through him, we now have access in a relationship with God. That is what the cross is. If you don't understand that, you don't understand the cross. If you don't understand that, you don't understand the gospel. And I know this isn't like cool to talk about. Right? I know this isn't sexy to talk about. I know you guys just want rules and a bunch of stuff, but you're really missing it. I'm going to keep driving this home regardless regardless on if you guys don't like it or if you don't watch it because I think it's important. So let's talk more about legalism versus holiness because we are called to be holy, by the way. This right here was brought to us by uh, Julie Shecker. Julie Shecker, I had her on the channel. She's our, uh, our women's pastor at our church. And she went to the Grand Canyon. And she brought this for my son, Levi. Levi's six. And this is called Fool's Gold. Why is this called Fool's Gold? Well, because during the gold rush, people came to the West Coast looking for gold. And a lot of them found this Fool's Gold thinking it was real gold. Now, on the surface, if we look at this, it's shiny, right? Like, it looks really cool. But it's not really gold. It's not, it's not, it's, it's not true gold. It's, it's fool's gold. And a lot of folks found this gold, this fool's gold, and thought it was real, but it wasn't. It wasn't the real thing that they were looking for, right? And it appeared like gold, and it appeared like something that, was, that, that, that had a lot of value, but it actually had no value, right? And so a lot of people came looking for real gold, and instead they found fool's gold, and it deceived them. Legalism and holiness are the same way. A lot of people are, are, are who can't, who are coming looking for a true relationship with Jesus are confusing fool's gold for real gold. They're confusing uh, being intimate and having an encounter with the living God for a counterfeit that kind of looks like it on the surface. It kind of looks like it. It feels like it. it, it it's shiny. It, it, it has the, 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 the vibe. You look at it, and you're like, wow, this is shiny. And, and, but you have to know, you have to dig beneath the surface to know the difference between real gold and fool's gold. Okay? And so be careful that what you're looking at and what you're pursuing and the church you're plugging into and the preachers that you're listening to aren't selling you fool's gold and you and you think that it's real gold. They're not selling you they're selling you legalism and fundamentalism, not selling you actual discipleship and holiness, right? Delivering you the true the true gospel, the fact that we're all sinners and that we all there is no uh, good guys versus bad guys. There's just bad guys and one good guy and his name is Jesus. Okay, and he comes on a rescue mission. He lives the life we couldn't live. He dies the death we should have died. Okay, so it could be very tricky, and if you're not up on game, you could easily get sucked into some fool's gold and not even know it. So let's talk about the difference between legalism and holiness. I went over some of this, but I added some more for you. Legalism says you have to, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this, you have to do that. 
Holiness says you get to. You get to be plugged into a church. You get to read your Bible. You get to worship God. You get to do all these different things. So legalism is all about rule keeping. Holiness is all about I have been changed from the inside out and now I get to. Legalism is all about works and being saved by works and and, and the, the works and our behavior modification. Holiness Growing in holiness, being saved and understanding that because we're no creature, we're new creatures, we're new creation, we are now saved to good works. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he laid out for us ahead of time. Legalism is all about religion. It's all about rule keeping. Religion, religion is trying to make rules for reaching God. Religion is all about you trying to make rules to reach God. You're trying to, 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 to do things to earn God's love for you. Holiness is about relationship. Holiness is, is about the gospel of that. You aren't doing things. Jesus did it all. You're not trying to reach God. God decided to step down and reach you. Right? This, this is why the gospel is so offensive. Because we want to be righteous by our doing. Right? Which is Legalism is all about self-righteousness. You make yourself righteous. Think about every other religion in the world. It's all about what you do to earn God's favor and God's goodness and God's blessing. If you do these things, then maybe God will love you. And if you're good enough, maybe God will get you into, let you into heaven. Holiness says that it's Christ's righteousness imputed onto you. Okay, Christ gives you his righteousness and he takes on the wrath that you should have got on the cross. Right, So you are now made righteous because of what Jesus did, not because of what you did. And God looks, looks at you and he sees righteousness and see you as a sinner because Christ has covered that sin. Legalism is all about control. Legalism is all about control, manipulation, shame, and trying to control people, right? Holiness is all about discipleship. Discipleship is different than control because if I'm discipling somebody and, I, and I'm giving you game and I'm saying, listen, I know you have this sexual urge problem. I know you have this thing with lust. This is how I found breakthrough in my life. I had to change my schedule around. I had to start waking up early. I had to, I had to change my thought life and believe that I can do it. So I'm discipling you. I'm, I'm giving you the game of what it means to be a disciple, to be disciplined, to follow my steps and things that I've seen breakthrough and sin, right? But I'm not trying to control you. I'm not calling you and saying, did you go to bed at 9.30? Huh? Did you, did you wake up early and go to the gym? Did you read your... I'm not trying to... I have zero desire to control any of you. Zero desire to control anybody at all. Not my wife, not my son, right? It's about discipleship. It's about servant leadership. It's about leading first and leading by example and saying, listen... I've gone to where you want to go. You want to be break, broken free of sexual addiction? I've gone. I'm, 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 I'm having, I've had the breakthrough. This is how you do it. You don't want to do it. That's on you. I'm not going to try to control you. I'm not going to shame you. You're not there yet. Some of you guys just aren't there yet. You're not there yet. You're just not. You're, 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 you, you know, you, first of all, you don't believe that you could have breakthrough in your mind. You don't believe that you're a true new creation. Second of all, you don't have the willpower to, to ramp up your entire lifestyle to figure out how to get the breakthrough, how to, uh, how to understand your body. You don't have it yet. That's fine. I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm going to love you. I'm going to lead you, but I'm not going to control you. Okay. Legalism is all about the law. Legalism is all about the law. It's all about law, 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 right? Holiness is all about grace and truth. Truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. That's by Chris Hodges, okay? Truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. 
It repeatedly says in the scriptures that Jesus came full of grace and truth. We need grace and we need truth. I got to be truthful with some of you. Some of you guys are making some poor decisions. Some of you guys are staying up too late. Some of you guys are making some, some just dumb, doing some dumb stuff. And I'm going to say it in a way that, 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 that hopefully encourages you to, to press into everything that God has for you. Not as a way, means of control and manipulation, but as a means of like, hey, I'm your big brother in this thing. And I'm going to tell you the truth in love so that it can push you towards repentance right? Push you towards repentance. So truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. Our world right now is obsessed with grace, right? From one standpoint, right? It's all about grace. It's all about how you feel. It's all about how that made you feel. And, it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's kind of meaningless because there's no truth. And the other perspective is it's all about facts over feelings. It doesn't matter how you feel. Zero, zero empathy, right? Your feelings don't matter, right? And, and there's very little grace and it comes off mean. A lot of you guys are going to say, well, what about, what about your friends who are sinning? What happens when someone is in sin? How do we deal with them? Our friends, our family, some, maybe somebody we see that's public. How do we deal with them? How do we deal with them um, as, as disciples and followers of Jesus, right? Because we really, we, we, we know they're off, but how do, we, how do we tell them? Check this out. Galatians chapter 6. This is, this is great. It's like, it's, like, it's like God knew all of our answers before we even asked them. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should what? Gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Interesting. Interesting. You, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path and be careful not in, not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Hmm. In your correction of your brother who's in sin, are you doing it gently and are you doing it humbly? Real question. Are you doing it gently and are you doing it humbly? Because remember, truth without grace is mean. And this is why I say, hey, by and large, by and large, do not try to have these conversations over text. Do not try to have these conversations over Instagram. Do not try to have these conversations over comment section. Seldom is that wise because 90% of communication is, is, is nonverbal. So you may mean really well and you may think you're being gentle in your in your in your head, but the way it's coming across is is extremely harsh a lot of times. Okay? And it and it says this thing, and be careful. First of all, it says those of you who are godly, that's interesting that it gives a prerequisite, right? That, that's interesting that it gives a prerequisite. Those of you who are godly, hmm. That's I don't know. I think that's very interesting. I, I'm not I'm not really sure why I would say that, but there may think there's something there, right? And then it says, and be careful. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. That's also interesting. Those who are godly, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Interesting. Okay. So, so let's go to verse 2. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Newsflash. You're not that important. Right? And then it says, pay careful attention to your own works. <laughs> Be, pay careful attention to your own works. Okay? So if you see somebody in sin, do it gently. If you're godly, do it gently. Do it humbly. 
right? Be careful not to fall into the same temptation. You're not too important to help other people out. But by the way, verse four, by the way, pay careful attention to your own works for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone. For we are each responsible. We are each responsible for our own conduct. Okay? Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers sharing all good things with them. Interesting. Interesting. So that is how you actually correct somebody. Is that how you correct somebody? Is that how some of you are correcting me right now in the comment section? Is that how you're going about it? Right? Because the issue with a lot of this is that it's really really frustrating when someone is attempting to correct you and you know that it's not coming from a place that's gentle. It's not coming from a place of humble. And just based on how they're going about it, it's just dripped in hypocrisy. It's just dripped in inconsistency. So that's the the conduct that you should have when you want to correct somebody. Okay. Not over a comment section, not over an Instagram DM. Okay. You, you, cause you think you're so important, but you're not that important right? And you should be focusing on your own work, not what everybody else is doing. And you know what? You know what? I'll be honest with you. When I'm focusing on working out my salvation with fear and trembling, uh, I'm a lot less critical of other people. Did you know that? I'm way less critical of other people. And that's why you don't see me on here flippantly calling every other person a false teacher or a wolf in sheep's clothing or this and that. Because I know if I take an honest self-inventory of my own heart and the things that I've said over the years of following Jesus, the ways I've gotten it wrong, and I got videos about that, right? Um, I need the grace of God. You need the grace of God. Okay? So, there you go. That is how you're called to do it. It gave us practical instructions. If you don't like it, take it up with Paul. Don't take it up with me. Take it up with Paul, okay? You work through that stuff. You don't, and again, I've said this before, and you guys think like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be mean. You're not called to be everybody's accountability partner over social media. You're not. Seldom has anybody left me a comment on, on YouTube, and I've been like, wow, they really, ran, they really won me over to their position. Hmm, I've never thought about it like that before. This is like never happened. It's maybe happened like once or, and usually it's very gracious and their, their, their entire approach is different. They usually reach out or they'll bring it to me privately or something like that. Right. Or they'll, or they'll send a voice note over Instagram or better yet a video right over Instagram and they'll ask questions. So really think through this stuff, like really think through this stuff because a lot of us are walking around here thinking where everybody's accountability partner, that you're called to keep Lecrae accountable. You're called to keep Chance the Rapper accountable, that you're some, (laughs) you're some fruit inspector. That's just called, that's just your mission. It's not work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And I, and I have a feeling that if you focus on your own relationship with God, that if you focus on your own intimacy with God, that you won't really have the time to be inspecting everybody else's fruit on social media and what this Christian got wrong in this disputable manner. And oh my gosh, Ruslan said he listens to Dave Chappelle and Joe Rogan. He's in sin. I have to call that out. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't. You just need to pray for me. If you think I'm in error and I'm in sin, believe that the spirit of God lives in me just like it lives in you. And not, and not, seldom does anything good come from a freaking YouTube comment section, a, a Instagram comment section, a DM, or any of that. Seldom does anything good. And and and, and I'll tell you what: if you're doing, if you're, if there's a pattern of this legalistic behavior with some of you guys in in my comment section, I can only imagine what your personal life looks like. 
I can imagine what your what your Thanksgiving dinners look like. I can imagine the type of person you really are if you feel so vindicated and so righteous, right? So be careful. Be careful. This stuff is way more common than we think it is. There's way more of us that are that, that are easily sucked into this because we think we think it's the authentic. We think it's the real gold. It's not. It's fool's gold. It looks good. It shines good. It sounds good. Religion sounds good. Legalism sounds good. Self-righteousness sounds good. Yeah, I'm going to do it by my own ways. I'm going to do my own thing. and I'm going to prove that I am a good person, right? But it's not the real thing. It's not salvation. It's, it's not a relationship with Jesus. It's a counterfeit. It's fake. It's fake. Don't be fake. Be authentic. Be congruent. Be the real thing. Be a true follower and disciple of Jesus. Have a healthy understanding of what the gospel is. Have a healthy understanding of why Jesus had to come. What was the point of the cross? So those are my thoughts. I want to hear from you guys. Kingstream Entertainment. Bruce Lawn. Joshua the King came down and bore it all. Yeah. Conversations front of the fireplace. All of my mistakes out of wire race. Wanna operate at a higher pace. Birth pains causing the body to dilate. On a first name basis with the worst pain facing. Moments in 